Okay, um, I recognize, uh, um, I call this meeting to order, and uh, let me um, begin with a prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your continual daily moment-to-moment oversight of our individual lives and of our life as a church. Thank you for all the places you've led us in the past year, and we look to your hand for everything that is ahead. I pray you bless our time together um, with wisdom. Uh, for the election and for the budget, uh, and also, Lord, that you would give us your vision for the, your church in the years <coughs> to come. We pray all this for your glory and in the name of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, I recognize uh, 27 of our members here, um, more than the 19 needed for a quorum. Um, so this meeting is, in fact, a real meeting. Um, I would... Welcome of motion. I don't know if we have any. It fits the bill, but actually, I welcome a motion to grant voice to non-active members in attendance. And we actually don't have any non-active members here, but I'd love to give voice to Henry and Katie. So, is it? Would someone be willing to make such a motion? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Second. Um, any discussion needed? Hey, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Uh, any opposed? Great. Okay, everyone here can speak. Um, the um, I want to a number of folks couldn't make it um, to any means, so I'm recording these comments because I want to look back on the year behind 2019 and look forward to the year ahead and sort of cast vision a bit together. Um, So for the beginning of looking back, I want to recognize all those who served. Um, And so I'm going to list a long list of names and I'd love to clap for those who served um, at the end. So I want to thank personally and on behalf of the church, uh, those who served in 2019, um, those who served the kids, which would be Heather Van Zandt, Sue Ellen Good, Becca Little, Judy Dekich, and all the mums who do their shifts, as well as Amy Wood, who started Flock Formation. All those who served as ushers, which would be Gerald Bozeman, Paul Palamus, Eric Peatman, Rick Taylor, Scott Lewick, and Brian Van Zandt. All those who served as altar servers and readers, Lincoln Anderson, Joe Salome, Art Ferrier, Heather Phillips, Linda Bozeman, Sue Ellen Good, Henry Peatman, Eric Peatman, Rick Taylor, Jean Taylor, Seth Owen, and Paul Palamas. Uh, Anna Marie Harrington did a wonderful job of hospitality at the end of the year, um, ably taken over by Kim and Nancy. Thank you. Um, Linda Humphrey and Linda Bozeman both coordinated meal trains. Uh, Claire Anderson and Susie and Linda and Diane, I want to thank you uh, for your service on the Ultra Guild. Becky Mosley, uh, thank you for the year's faithful and wonderful music. I want to thank the chapter leaders, um, Heather Van Zandt and Brian and, and Sue Ellen and Mike Good and Heather Phillips. Hey, look, you're all in a pew right there, the chapter pew. Um, and especially thanks to Heather Phillips who helped me kind of co-create that um, idea and brought it to life. Uh, big thanks to Brian Van Zandt this year. Um, his work as treasurer, he's done an outstanding job at organizing the finances and keeping track of everything. Um, he, he's very gracious to receive lots of random emails and text messages and he does great with it all. So. <laughs> A big thanks to Art Furrier, um, who is clerk, um, which means he assists both Brian as treasurer and myself as priest, and um, all the sort of little bits and keeping track of things. And the, I can't tell you the number of Sundays where Art says, did you remember about this for this Sunday? And I'm like, nope, thank you. Yes, oh, thank you. This schedule is all wrong. Forgive me. Yeah, the one, I forgot when I made it that I was gone for the week. So yeah, let, um, scrap the entire schedule. None of it's happening. <laughs> um, 
The, um, oh, actually, should we say Tuesday morning prayer is happening? Do you want to do Tuesday morning prayer? No, okay, yeah. So this, we'll consider the schedule scrap for the week. So, yeah. Um, and I also really want to actually thank Art for hold, help for holding that morning prayer with me, too. He leads on Tuesday mornings and sometimes in my absence, and I'm just really grateful for his prayer support, too. <coughs> Um, the Board of Congregational Care is led by Judy Dekich and assisted by um, Heather Phillips and Heather Van Zandt. And thank you for serving in that capacity. I want to thank Lincoln. Where's Lincoln? Um, for teaching the catechism and for assisting me with the adult education planning and, and execution. Um, I want to thank the members of the vestry, which is um, especially the outgoing members, which includes Lincoln and Elizabeth Lewick, who couldn't be with us. They're having a niece baptized this morning, I think at Christchurch in Montgomery or somewhere. But um, it, Yeah. But um, for, they served very faithfully for their three-year term and contributed many things over those three years, and I'm very grateful for their service. So thanks for... I think for both of you, it was a double term, right? You did consecutive terms. So. Um, also, thanking, I want to thank Rick Taylor, um, who also serves as junior warden, Judy Dekich, um, who really is my right arm for pastoral care. Likely, if you were sick, you got a call from Judy before me because she found out sooner because she's amazing like that. So really thankful for Judy. Um, for Heather Phillips uh, and for Joe Salome, um, who also is the senior warden, um, and uh, the verger, which means he helps kind of assist and corral the, the altar servers and the acolytes and things. Um, and also, let's, let it be known, um, is the master bread baker of the wonderful Eucharistic <laughs> loaf that we do. Um, as you didn't know, Joe prays over that process when he bakes them. And it's, I, I, I brag, every priest in me, I always brag about our Eucharistic loaves. Anyways, um, additionally, some categories. If, to all of you who brought meals to a fellow parishioner, I know many of you did, I don't know exactly who, um, all of you who sung in a choir, all of you who helped on, the church, on a church cleaning day, all of you who helped on the big, huge moving day, um, for Judy for making our parish banner, um, for Roger who made our pews beautiful and built these beautiful kneeler boxes as um, well as a number of other things, and for all of you who gave gifts, either of furniture to the church or items for the sacristy or flowers for the altar, all of you who gave to the, to the discretionary fund, which immediately uh, helps the poor, all of you who hosted a holy chow or brought coffee, hour, and treats, thank you. Um, Jesus himself says that um, a cup of cold water given in his name will not go unrewarded. So for all the things you've done, big and small, you have an eternal reward. And it will be my joy in heaven to see the reward you receive for serving the Lord and his kingdom. That I got to be there to watch it and say, I, I saw that. I watched them do that. I can verify um, so bless you for that. So um, if I named you at all directly or indirectly just now, would you please stand? It should be. Oh, yeah, I mentioned folk from it. Yeah. Look at this participation. I mean, this is amazing. So thank you. A big round of applause for the year's work. Thank you. Yeah. And a number of people I named are not here, but it, it was amazing writing down these names and realizing, wow, like three quarters of the people in our directory we're actively engaged in some sort of ministry this year, and that's just wonderful to see that, um, how much you serve uh, in the body of Christ and not just receive too. Um, yeah, I want to um, give a sort of state of the church address, as it were. Um, Carrie and I fell in love with the TV show West Wing, which I know is very liberal, but it, it still was a good show, still great dialogue. And I, boy, I can't tell you what a civics lesson it was for me and Carrie too. We're like, what is that role? And we're like Wikipedia and like, oh, there's a chief of staff. I didn't know that, you know, all this stuff. So I'm, I know many of you know that of my great ignorance of American history and civics. It's gotten a little bit better, thanks to West Wing. And what um, liberal things need to be corrected, I welcome your correction along the way. <laughs> um, but I, know, I learned about that, that in the State of the Unions, they, they always begin with the State of the Union is strong. And apparently there was one time when, was it, who was it that began saying it was weak? Was it Nixon? No. Was it Nixon? 
there was some president in the 70s or 80s who began saying we can, he didn't get a second term. Anyways, but um, I think the state of the church is, that was a random divot, rabbit trail because my, who was it? Johnson, maybe it was Johnson, yeah, maybe. Sorry, that was a random rabbit trail, completely unnecessary. Um, but I, looking back at the year, um, what a joy to see a strong and healthy church getting st- stronger and growing. I looked back at the numbers, we're right now averaging um, in the mid-60s on a Sunday. This time last year, we were in the uh, high 40s. So there's been like growth of uh, folks gathering together. Um, we officially moved from 33 members in January um, to now 57 active members. Um, it was a great joy. We got pews. We launched chapter small groups. We launched a Sunday children's ministry, thanks single-handedly to Amy Wood. We moved buildings. <laughs> That's a big year. Um, and we're saving um, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of um, fifteen dollars to $20,000 a year um, on what we would have paid on rent and utilities in a big leaky building. Um, and we escaped the prospect of a short sale. Um, but so much for that. That building's still for sale. Have you seen that? <laughs> I'm like, they were just like yanking on our chains, but I'm still glad to be out from that dangling sword um, and for the money that we're saving here. Um, so, and Carrie pointed out that something happened in the moving process too. It almost was like, we all kind of re-gelled together. I saw old time members and newer members kind of lifting things together and working together. And I think the Lord's really brought good from it and has, as we hope, put us in a more nimble spot, ready for our permanent home. So, um, I actually, I called, Marsh, I said, I, I, you know, he called me about something. I was like, I saw that building hasn't sold yet. You said you had a buyer in the wings. And he's like, oh, yeah, our realtor kind of gave us an overinflated picture. I'm like, oh, okay, we'll see. Anyways. I thought he was a realtor. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. So um, in this past year, morning prayer has become a feature of more of y'all's regular prayer life, which I'm so grateful for. We began midweek Eucharists that have been a great source of spiritual refreshment to a number of you I know. We became a parish at November. We got prayer books back in May. Remember, we used to do everything in big old printed bulletins every Sunday. We saved so much ink and paper, it's incredible. Um, you'll, as you'll see in our diminished uh, office supply budget. Um, we distributed, um, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of about $1,000 to about a dozen people through the discretionary fund. Um, I don't keep real good logs of that because some of it's so ad hoc, and, you know, but, but I think there's about a dozen people, about $1,000 all in all. Um, we celebrated five baptisms. 28 people received the laying on of hands at, across two visits from our bishop. We did one memorial service um, for Mark. We received, we revised our bylaws and our vision statement. Um, on top of our operating budget, we collected $76,000 for our land fund, um, which is very exciting to me. Uh, and then I got installed recently as rector. So I'd say it's been quite a year. I was like, what happened this year? And I was like, oh my gosh, so much happened this year. We've been through a lot together and a lot has happened. It's been a great year. And what I think has really happened this year is that we've laid a solid foundation of all of the core components that I think from which our future life will grow and be built on. Components of of structure with bylaws and finances and components of spirituality with small groups and prayer life and midweek Eucharist. And all these things are things which I think we've sort of, in ways visible and invisible, we sort of outlined the footprint of our life as a church and from which it will spring. Uh, So I'm really happy about the year. I'm um, looking ahead to 2020. Um, I have a couple of dreams for this year that I'd like to share with you. Um, the first is that when I'm looking at the year as a whole, I really want us together, and uh, there will be different way, ways in which we do this, but to unpack and really live into our vision statement a bit more. Kind of figuring out, like, what does this vision statement mean, and how can it be useful in guiding us individually in our own lives and corporately uh, as a congregation? 
Um, so with regards to the two things that were led by, symbolized by the two staffs in the shield, patterns of prayer uh, and practicing hospitality. Um, one of my dreams of patterns of prayer is that every one of you here, every member, everyone who listens to this right now, who, who's not here, who listens to it later, would, would dip your foot in for a daily office just once, just to see it. Just, I'd love to pray shoulder to shoulder with you outside of a Sunday, everybody. So just if you have a day off, if it's some obscure national holiday, I, can't, I don't even know the famous national holidays, but so you know, you have some day off work, you don't work, you're able to come, come, come to morning and evening prayer, and because the core of Anglican prayer life is Eucharist, daily office, and private prayer. And the best way to learn the daily office that can make the prayer book easier to use is just to come even just once or twice. You'll see the flow, it'll make sense, and I think it'll be a great blessing to you. So I hope that I get to pray shoulder to shoulder with each one of you at least once um, in this upcoming year. With regards to practicing hospitality, um, this is something where I actually, oftentimes I have some idea of like kind of what I'm looking for in the future. This is kind of this exciting unknown, there's some unknown aspects to this. I have a few ideas, but there's some big unknown, big question marks of what sort of ministry the Lord would have us do as a congregation. We're getting the place now with numbers and stability where we can not just sort of minister individually kind of ad hoc, but as a congregation start thinking, how will we not just preach and bear witness to the gospel in the community, but um, act in the gospel. And I think the word the Lord really pressed on my heart was hospitality. Um, but what does that look like? What, not just, and the difference there would be, most churches call their kind of work outreach. But I think outreach implies sort of doing something that's kind of over here, arm's length, I do a little bit of this, I maybe help out at a food bank, and then I'm back in my regular life. I, I think the Lord just calls Anglicans to something more incarnational, more deeper, so inviting in to say, I'm not just going to do something over here and then walk away. I want to invite you into this life. And whether that's the life of worship or fellowship, there's a number of many, probably many ways it could look like. But I really hope that the Lord shows us in this upcoming year what sort of that corporate ministry might look like together of hospitality. What does the ministry of hospitality look like for a congregation? So that's um, one big thing. Um, I also hope that we continue to see chapters flourish. We launched three in the fall. Um, I hope that a number of you will consider joining if you're not already a part of one and that we might even have a fourth chapter launching in September. That would be a, a, joy, a vision, a thing that would greatly excite me about the year. Um, penultimately, um, I don't know if that's actually an adjective or not, but, um, oh, good, okay. Um, and I, I say this as a sort of preemptive attack. Um, the, the final aspect of our vision statement is to know the Lord Jesus because that's the culmination of receiving the faith and living the Christian life. It's just the real relationship with God. And something that I've already feel like I've been tested in in my heart is when the, with the prospect of excitement about land and building kind of coming onto our radar, the temptation is to get so kind of wrapped up in the imminent that we forget what Jesus calls the one thing necessary, which is that personal relationship with Jesus, of prayer, of trying to know him in his scriptures, of trying to follow him and listen for his voice. And it's, an act, it's a lifetime's work, right? It's not one and done. It's something we're always doing. But to not, I want to say that this year as we get um, net deep in land and building and things, um, that it wouldn't eclipse the much more important thing, which is our soul's relationship with God. The reason you have a church building is to encourage souls to know their Savior, right? What a horrible irony it would be if in trying to build a church building, we forget the pursuit of our souls, first and foremost. So I just want to keep, put that down uh, as a flag. But then lastly... The things I'm excited for is uh, land and building. Um, so the vestry has sort of established a working kind of draft timeline at our last meeting. Um, and what that involves is that 
we would devote the next two months to intensive looking and try and figure out what is the best land for us to have uh, for our future. Um, we have $170,000 in our land fund, which you all have given generously. 76 of that was given at the tail end of last year, and the rest was the surplus um, income from all of the years of Good Shepherd up till now. Um, so we're in a spot to buy land and to, to locate a property, and what I'm, you're all commissioned to be looking and calling realtors and stuff and figuring things out, and specifically the vestry and the building committee, I'll tell you about in just a second, will be on the scout, and when there's a sense of honed in on, and obviously if after two months there's nothing that's really perfect, well then we keep looking, we rework the timeline, because it needs to be the right plot. But I think timelines are useful for just kind of keeping us focused and on the ball, as it were. Um, when the vestry and the building committee say, we think this is the winner, before doing anything, we'll have a special parish meeting um, after church, just like this, um, for, you know, get together and present the land with its pros and cons and why outweighed other ones to make sure we all think, yeah, that's the one. Because if we're going to collectively be working towards there and be there forever, we want to be all on the same page um, and, 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 and work out if there's sort of difficulties or things that maybe it gets toppled over for one reason or another. I don't know. But know that we won't make any decisions before you all as a congregation are invited into that process. When we all are on the same page as to what land is good, well, then we um, marsh, not marsh, <laughs> that's <it> bad, marshal, <laughs> marshal, yeah, uh, Warren Marshall will oversee doing the civil engineer's due diligence on the land, depending on the property that's between like one and three thousand dollars, um, to unearth like if there's any things that are just sort of not on the surface that would affect the kind of value it would have. Like if there's a huge cave underneath or full of lead from something, you know, that would be something that would affect the price. So we'll do due diligence and then off of the knowledge from that due diligence, make an offer and hopefully buy the land. And my dream is that my, again, dream is that we would own land by the summer, that in June we would own some land together. So that's where I hope we go. Now, the Lord may have other plans. We may really struggle to find a building. I'm fine with that. We can rework. But my dream is that we would own property by, by June. Property that is between three and a half and four and a half acres. Um, that's as close to the middle of Auburn and Opelika city border as possible. And the, the phrase that's really imprinted on my mind is that's in the thick of things. That if a ministry is going to be hospitable, there needs to be a naturally occurring community. We could buy land that big, that cheap, 15 miles out of town. But then everyone's got to drive there. There's no community to serve right away. And we're far away from like the thickness of this great community of Auburn and Opelika. Um, so in the thick of things will be the key. And my hope is that we'll find land for less than $300,000. So if, if you have realtor friends, if you know friends with land who haven't listed it yet, that'll be the best kind of thing. Um, those, are the parent, those are what we're looking for. Under $300,000, three and a half to four and a half acres in the thick <coughs> of things for Auburn and Opelika. So um, that's about land. Um, before I talk about the building and the building committee, any questions about that land or things that I made, was opaque in what I just said? Yeah. No, it's, it certainly is a possibility. If there was a great building that was, that was adequate for what we were looking for, um, I'm very shy about old buildings. Like one of the things we saw from renting is that old buildings end up being just kind of a lot of consecutive trouble for continued maintenance. And my, my dream, my desire for what construction of a building is dollars to dollars, it'd be about the same as buying a building. Like it wouldn't, the costs would be presumably within, within a similar field. But the... The outset, the, a building communicates kind of what a church is about. And Anglicans offer this sort of unique um, carrying forward of the ancient tradition. And there are very few churches which are built with that in mind, where architecturally 
the Eucharist and the gathered people and the, you know, the, where architecture is, it sort of is communicating the priorities of the great tradition that we do carry. Now, now things can be remodeled and there have been tons of those around the country. So I'm not close to it. If the right thing presented itself, the building committee would certainly consider it. Um, but I think buildings gonna be, would be the better way to go for something that is, communicates to the community who we are and what we're focused on um, and that is serviceable at the less cost over time for us too. So those are kind of, that's what inclines me to building. But yeah, good question. Um, any other questions about land or follow up from that or anything? Okay. Well, about the building then, um, the vestry at its last meeting um, convened a building committee, which would be a standing committee until either a member wants off for whatever reason, um, or by two thirds vote of the vestry, it could be amended if you know expansion is needed for specific things or whatnot. But the building committee is going to be um, me and Joe and Gerald Bozeman and Heather Van Zandt and Roger Van Nostrand. Um, and these were selected for the different skills and perspectives that they, they'll bring according to kind of different quadrants of the church. Like we all know Roger's great with working with wood and Gerald's built all kinds of things in his uh, many different careers. And Joe's been around the, Ang the Episcopal Anglican churches for 50 years and knows every which different kinds of ways of... Um, 60 years. 60 years, thank you. Of, <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of, of how these things go. And Heather's really connected with outreach and the different portions of that in the community and families and what families do. And so hopefully all these voices together will be able to kind of make sure that things meet all of the needs for our church, both for the church as it is in the present and where we see ourselves for the next 20 to 30 years. Um, so that's the building committee. Um, building committee will be begin meeting... Um, fairly soon, um, in February. And then what you'll see in just a moment we're gonna see is um, because of the money we're saving by being in this building, uh, in the budget, one of the, the new line items is $10,000 to contract Warren Marshall. And Warren Marshall is um, a project manager, a construction project manager in Montgomery, who the Lord kind of providentially over, introduced me to, Barry Marshall, who was just here, it's his grandpa. And we were, I was hanging out with Barry one time, and. He was like, oh, what's your plans for the future? I was like, oh, I'd love to build an Anglican church someday. And he's like, you know, my dad, my grandpa builds churches. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure he does, you know. And he's like, no, no, he really does, you know. Like, and he pulled up his portfolio. I'm like, wow, like, this is really good. So I met with Warren, and usually in a church building project, the vestry is functionally the project manager and contracts an architect and gets stuff cleared through the city and kind of does that. It's a huge amount of stress for the vestry. And unless you have someone who's actually done construction projects before, the vestry is not natively skill, skilled at that, um, or the building committee could be it too. Um, what Warren does is they build all kinds of construction. He does now, the grandpa, um, uh, the, he, the founder of the company, he does exclusively churches. He's built 150 churches in the South. Um, and he goes, he's a member at Christchurch Montgomery, so he's an Anglican. And just for a reference, I, there's a few um, church building companies that do nation, the work nationwide, they're licensed in tons of states. Like two years ago, I just called one of them and said, hey, just, just look at some ballpark numbers. How much is it to like hire you guys for like, you know, initial architectural drawing and stuff? And they said, we don't cross your threshold unless you give us $80,000. So, so that was like my sort of template figure. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what a, we're just not going to be able to build a traditional building. It won't work. That's way too expensive for just coming. So the Warren Marshall, for $10,000, um, just to put that in perspective, that will include a portion of that for the civil engineer's due diligence on the land. Um, it'll include meeting with the building committee um, a half dozen times at least um, through the course of the year, and then providing um, initial cost estimates um, for the whole project and architectural drawings and full color renderings for us to see, kind of get excited about from which to do our, our fundraising together. Um, and then Warren Marshall, they, rather than 
the construction guy having to kind of report to some architect over here or whatever, they have everything in-house. They have multiple architects in pocket already that they work with all the time so that all the costs can be kind of managed from them at the top. So it just sounds, I've heard stories from other church building projects from other Anglicans, and it just sounds like trying to herd cats. When I heard about this, I was like, amazing. And I was like, how much does you charge? And he's like, $10,000. I'm like, amazing. Um, so I'm really, I think having him will make the process much smoother than it could be. Um, and he'll be real, you know, with, with that experience building that many churches, I think will guide us really straight. So that's in the budget. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so my dream is that we would have some um, architectural sketches um, by fourth quarter this year. And just like with the land, what we'll do as part of the building process is at some sort of middle, midway stage in the discussion between the building committee and Marshall Design and Build to share with you as the congregation, this is kind of what we're thinking. You know, and make sure that, like, you know, there weren't some big missing pieces or, that, you know, that we can kind of see stuff along the way. Part of what we learned at that meeting several months ago was let's all try and stay as close in the loop as we can. It's my desire that we'll all stay in the loop for that. Um, and obviously, if the, the things are presented and one of you is like, oh, this is just terrible, it doesn't mean the project's going to get scuttled. You know, we'll listen, and there may be some augmentations and some things, but the building committee is going to be the decisive voice for what gets settled. But they want to serve you guys as well as the church of the next generation that's going to come. So, so I'm really excited about that um, for 2020. Just, you know, the way the process works, once we get the architect's elevations, which obviously can't be completed till we own land so they can be built for the site itself, um, and we've done all that preliminary work, hopefully all this year, uh, and the, the, pro the cost estimations and all those things. Um, then the way they work is they just put everything on pause. They just hit a big pause button. And as a church, we just raise our money together. Um, and then when we raise enough money to be sort of, have enough sort of financial sort of weight towards the, the, the end goal, well then push unpause and break ground. And that's always, and, and Warren said, he's like, some churches it takes two years. He says, some churches it takes 10 years. It's like, obviously, each year, you know, if multiple years go by, you have to rebid a few things, and it might go up and down a little bit. But, like, you know, you wait as long as you need. But no need to rush it, right? Wait till you feel financially the Lord has provided it, and you know for certain that project, they won't start the project unless they know for certain it's going to get finished, because it will fall on them. Um, so, so that's what I'm saying. Once we've got all this in place, we just wait, and, uh, and then pray for the Lord to provide it. Give us generously as we can out of our resources. Um, and the Lord can provide. If he wants to build up his church quickly, he can. I've, I, I have friends. Actually, okay, so the church I served in Missouri, the priest was wanting to build a church. They were meeting in a converted house, and they had about, um, they had about 50 people. Um, out of the blue, they got a call from a family in the town who said, we want to become Anglicans, and we'd also like to build your church. He was like, what? Surely, like, I he's like, that doesn't mean I can guarantee a place on the building committee. Like, I don't want to, like, be getting involved in this. He's like, no, no, we just want to fund it. We, we believe the Anglicans stand for a good thing. Um, I would say in their case, they bankrolled um, seven figures. I mean, multiple times. Like to, was, they just made it happen. It was like, and they didn't pull strings. They're very peaceful. I was like, so the Lord can provide in amazing ways. And I'm excited to see what he will provide. You can tell you're excited. Yes, very excited, yeah. And these drawings at the back, Warren Marshall's so excited about this project because most churches these days, I hate to say it, are kind of just built like fancy doctor's offices. I mean, it's just standard construction. There's not, there isn't a liturgical and architectural and traditional mindset of Adam Dabbitt. But Warren, he cut his teeth as an architect. He did a tour of all the cathedrals of Europe. So when I told him we want something that communicated the great tradition, his eyes kind of lit up. He did those drawings for free. He just had one of his architects, because I sent him like concept sketches, and he just did that for free just to show us that he's kind of excited about it too. So that, it may look, there may be solid elements of that that make it into the final drawings, but I don't want you to think that that's the, the sum or the fix of the picture. That was just generated for free from Warren 
um, because he's excited to actually get to kind of bring forth his knowledge of the tradition as well. Um, so I'm excited. So please don't think that's some sort of definite. I hope that the sanctuary looks something like that. Um, but we got lots of work, miles to go before we finalize real drawings. Um, <clears throat> okay, so that's it for, uh, I'll stop the thing. That's it for 2020. <laughs>